Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today we're joined by a lovely guest, Basola, who joins us all the way from Australia. Uh, she joins us today to share her fertility journey and also all that she's currently doing to advocate and raise awareness about fertility and infertility. Uh, so firstly, welcome Bisola, um, Busola, sorry, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ola. It's lovely to be with you <laughs> this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much. We've been trying to do this for a long time, so I'm glad oh, yeah, we finally got to Yeah, yeah. I'm thank so glad you. that we finally got around this. Exactly. So to yeah. start off, I'll say, we usually say, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, so my name is Busola Olumide. Um, I'm a child of God, <laughs> and there's a reason why it starts with that. There's a story to that. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom to two adorable boys now. Um, I'm a clinical embryologist by training, I'm a fertility educator and coach. Um, I love to cook. <laughs> I love to travel when I can. I love to educate people. And Funny enough, I'm kind. I am an introvert, so oh, wow. I love my space. Yeah, so you can. I, I don't know how that mixes being an introvert and like and love to educate people. But I, I just love to pass on information, especially in an area which um, infertility slash fertility is all about. Wait, you know, there's so, there's so much fear. There's so much. Um, information that people can be misguided on yeah so that's what i love to do and that's that about me wonderful glad so glad to have you here with us Thank so you. since we're going to be talking about fertility and you noted before when we i mean before this podcast recording that you're married i thought that you'll share with us how you and your spouse met Oh, yeah. So my husband and I met while we were in the university. That's about female law university. Uh, we're both medical students. <laughs> and interestingly, his matric number was before mine. But we didn't get to just know before. each other. Wow. Yeah, just before. So it was 236. I was 237. But we didn't get to know each other till our second year in med school because the first year is a kind is a combination of all the science students and medical students everybody mm -hmm. you know running the same courses so when we have exams you know you, you know we are seated random but by the time we got to our second year you know the medical students we, everybody went to their different departments and so um that was when the relationship started and he saw me I said oh, okay this is my wife he just went straight to the point there was no wow. about the bush <laughs> <laughs> And um, because as a teenager, right from my teenage years, I'd always known I wanted to get married. So that was something I'd been praying about. I just wanted to do life with the right person. And I'm glad that he is the one that I'm doing life with. So, oh, that that's how so, we met. <laughs> so it's been 18 years of being together and 11 years of being married to each other. Wow. Thank you, you. That's amazing. So, and you, you noted that you've always wanted to get married. So, you, did that also include you wanted to have children, or did that come that whole idea come later? Oh yeah, no, I always wanted to have children. In fact, that was part of what we spoke about when we were dating, and. Um, I wanted to have three kids. He wanted two, but well, <laughs> God had other plans. Right. <laughs> so yes, I'd always wanted to have children, but you know, in the climate where we grew up in, culturally, you are supposed to be married before you can even start to talk about children. So, right. yeah, so I just knew that that was going to come with the package anyway. And somehow I've always found myself working in that any service that had to do with children. I'd worked in a school, in church i was in the children's department um even living in australia my first job was working with teenagers oh, wow. so yeah so i've always had children around me so it's a great time to then you know have you share your, your fertility journey as much as or as little that you'd like to share with us how that was okay so um we got married in 20 12 um a year prior to that I had time working as a clinical embryologist um 
with the um, pioneer of assisted reproductive technology in Western Central Africa. That's in the person of Professor Giwa Osegi. Oh, so uh, we got married the following year and we decided to um, wait for a year before having kids, you know, because we wanted to enjoy that one year of being man and wife, get to know each other better, even though we've been cutting for a while, but, you know, it's not just the same when you're living under the same roof, right? Mm, (laughs) So, yeah, we waited for a year, and then when we were ready, we went all out, okay, so it's time for us to have kids, and then the second day of marriage passed, the third year passed, and nothing was forthcoming. Um, during that time, my immediate younger sister got married and she was pregnant almost immediately. And I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> what's mm. going on here? <laughs> and um, by the fourth year, I was um, I was wondering, I was really, really wondering that, okay, what could be going on? You know, and I was working in a field whereby most of our clientele where um, women in their 40s and 50s coming in for high VF. So you can imagine someone working in that field, you're married, you're expecting to have children, you're seeing people in their 40s, 50s, some even in their 60s, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be in this situation. So it'll begin to weigh me down um, psychologically, emotionally. And my husband would, you know, always talk to me, comfort me and all of that. So at a point in time, my boss called me, that's prof called me. I was like, so now what's going on? You know, you're working in this field. You should partake of the benefits of this field, you know. So he sent me to do some tests, sent my husband to do some tests. And everything came out fine. He said the only issue was that there was a fibroid, but that shouldn't in any way affect conception. I said, okay, so let's um, try, you know, um, naturally and see how that goes. And about six months after, I was like, okay, let's go for high UI. Let's try high UI. You know, of course, as a member of, of staff, they, I was given discounts and all of that. And then we went for that. After the first procedure, I, I knew I wasn't going to do that again because <laughs> I couldn't just imagine. <laughs> you know, I couldn't just imagine all the, ah, I was like, man, women are really going through a lot, you know, to want to have children and then you hear of people who have kids who have babies and abandon them and then you're hearing of stories of people especially you're facing it person having the personal experience with that and you're like how, how do how do you how do you marry both you yeah. know so um it was quite challenging um more so that my younger sister now went on and she had the second baby and I was oh, like, wow what's really going on god what's really going on it's not like i lived a careless life i've not had abortions i not like i had multiple sexual partners i'm not saying that those who are experiencing or everybody experiencing infertility must have had or ex- done such in, in in their life but you know those are questions you begin to ask yourself and you begin to doubt yourself that why is my body failing me this is what it should come naturally as a woman to be able to conceive and carry your own baby but why is it not happening to me more so that there is no reason it's there's nothing wrong medically you know so um that went on till um my husband decided to relocate to australia and um he left in 2016 and I joined in in 2017. And, you know, before then, we attend church. There's this um, women's conference we attend that my church organizes every month. We go there, and every month there will be this prayer for women waiting for the fruits of the womb. And who would always, you know, come out and receive the prayers and, you know, go back to our seats with faith. At the point in time, I said, you know what, God, I'm not coming out anymore. Whenever you are ready to do this, just do it. All I know is that I'm not barren. So I came down to Australia and with, you know, the zeal and faith and all of that, I told my husband, I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> well, I'm like, slow down. <laughs> slow down. No, not yet. Time. I'm like, what do you mean not yet? Time? It's five years already. You know, I am positive about this. 
and he said, no, 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 I just got this job. I have to sex with you and all of that. I said, okay, no voila. <laughs> so um, 2018, um, in January 2018, I started having this funny bleeding. Um, it was brownish. And it, it, it would start before my period. And once my period comes in, it's my period will be normal. After my period, it will continue again. That happened in January. February, the same thing. <sighs> Called my husband, I said, I'm not comfortable with this thing, you know, because this was towards the end of February. We're going into March. I'm not comfortable with this. I think I would like to see a female GP. I'm like, oh, okay, so that he knows one person that, you know, a friend of hers that we could go see at the clinic and all of that. And I went to see her. And, you know, she did a scan and she said that she's not seeing anything, but um, it just looks as if there's fluid in the pouch of the glass. Well, and that seems to be what is draining out, that there's nothing to be worried about. I said, okay. She said, but however, you know, so then you're not getting any younger. That is it no time for us to start looking for a fertility specialist. I said, no while now. That's let's look for one. So she said she was going to search around for one and get back to me on that. So between that time and you know, she doing her own search and all of that, around March, I said, you know, God, I'm done. I'm tired of all of this, you know, because when we got married. The plan was for me to go hide and do my master's in the UK in clinical embryology. The major reason why we didn't go or we didn't go ahead with that, I was like, ah, if I can't get pregnant, how do I want to manage? How do I want to cope in the UK? You, you are not going to follow me. You're going to be here. So let's just have the baby, you know, let's have a routine and then, then we can take it from there. And so that was on hold for like, up to from 2011, 2012 ish, up to 2018. So I said, you know what, God, I'm no longer living my life on old, putting my life on old. I'm going to go ahead and go and do this master's. I'm going to start living my life now. I'm going to go ahead to do those things that I wanted to do, but I put on old because I wanted to have children. And after my ranting, <laughs> God spoke to me and said, um, until you realize that. I am the only one that makes you complete. Then you won't be able to move ahead. This master's that you want to have does not complete you. The children that you so desire do not complete you. The husband that you have that I gave to you does not complete you. There's nothing that you have in this world that completes you. I am the only one that completes you. That was quite heavy for me. It made me realize that, oh, I had made these things almost like an idol. You know, they're taking so much space in my heart that I wasn't, I was just living for all of those things. You know, these masters have been talking about it, talking about it. I want to do it. I want to do this. I want to have kids, you know, and all of that. And so I sat down. I took time. I meditated on that. And then I started to leave that. I prayed about it. And I said, God, please guide my heart and help me to reposition myself, redirect me. It was, I think, about six weeks after. This bleeding was still going on. That discharge was still going on all of all of this time. But like six weeks after, then my husband called me and said, Sola, you're pregnant. I said, I beg, stop that thing. <laughs> Leave that thing. <laughs> stop that. It's pregnant. I beg you. I said, you're pregnant. I said, okay, I've heard. So that you, I won't use my own mouth to know exactly. to <laughs> what I've been looking for now. I said, okay, I've heard. I, it took me about two, three weeks to summon courage to do a pregnancy test. <clears throat> and when I did, it was positive. It was so surreal because I, I, I was thinking that, okay, when did this happen? How did this happen? Remember, this bleeding was still going on. So when did it happen? How? When? You know. And then some things started happening. Some testimonies were coming in, you know. I was like, okay, God is actually trying to tell me something here that, okay, this is really happening. It was not when I was in my second trimester before because it was towards the beginning of my third trimester that I was really showing. Wow. So, so you, you, could, you could quote unquote hide it. 
Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, by the time I got to almost to the last two, three weeks, for some people realized that I was pregnant. So it was so surreal to me. It was unveiled. It was, it was until I got into the second trimester that I was like, okay, I'm actually pregnant. That I believed that I was actually pregnant. And so that was how my fertility journey went. It wasn't like, um, even though I'd done IUI before, I'd used Clomid and all of that. But at this point in time, if I, by the time the, the female GP called me, my friend, by the time she called me, I said, oh, that was around that six weeks that she called me. I said, oh, so that, uh, good news. I've been able to get a fertility special. I said, babe, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> She's like, hey. She said, yes. I said, yes, yes, yes. I, uh, that God has done it. So she said, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, come to the clinic, come to the clinic, come to the clinic. So we went to the clinic and she did a scan, but we didn't see anything. Right? What? We didn't see anything. But a urine pregnancy test confirmed that I was pregnant. And she said, okay, you know what? We'll do it. We'll do this scan in another two weeks. We are going to do this scan in another two weeks. And when we did it, scan two weeks after, that was when we saw the sack and then the wow. fetal pool. How did you get by those two weeks? I was just confessing God's word, you know. Mm-hmm. I was positive. I took my mind out of it because the truth of the matter is that I'm, I, I, I can't even remember if I really had morning sickness. So that... That what made the whole thing look really surreal to me. Like I was in between that is this real or not real? Like I said, some things happened that make me, you know, some testimonies happened that made me feel like, okay, God is up to something. Then that means something is really going in my belly because I didn't, I didn't feel it. And that was how it happened. And it's almost about the same thing with the second baby that came four years after so just like that just like that that. so my type of infertility could be ascribed to um unexplained infertility and you know that can really get um really really people experience it that can be can get into depression, can have anxiety because, you know, unlike those with explained infertility, we know what the problem is. We know the solutions, you know, we know what we can do. You know, maybe a surgery has to be done. Maybe it's high VF, maybe it's high UI, you know, or maybe it's um, lifestyle factors that need to be adjusted. But with unexplained infertility, you don't know, you, you, you you can't just pinpoint what the problem is. It's not just happening, you know. So it's that, that's been my story. And in between, I had a miscarriage after the first one. So, so after so. I had, when I was ready to have the second one, I had a miscarriage in between. And okay, let me just let me let me quickly say that because that's the essence of this podcast, you know, to share our story and to encourage other people out there. So after I had my first baby, you know how we are like Oliver Twist. You're like, oh, okay, we can have another one. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, let's have a second one. And then I got pregnant just like that. And before, I think around the time I got pregnant, or before then, shortly before then, I was my husband was like, okay, so let's go and let's plan for this master's now. Our baby is almost is about two years old. So let's go ahead and do this master's that you've always talked about. I said, okay, fine. So I applied to the uni in Scotland and I got the admission. And then I found out I was pregnant. So I told the school, okay, I'll be deferring this admission because I'm pregnant. I'm not sure I'll be able to cope, you know, with the rigors of academics combine academics with um being pregnant even though they told me they would support me and all of that but yeah it is what it is <laughs> so I deferred and then um a couple of weeks after I deferred I had a miscarriage so in trying to deal with that I I just needed I knew I needed to to go out because we don't have family in Australia. So there was no place I could run to. My husband has to go to work. I'm alone with her toddler. So I just told him, you know what? Let me just go and do this master's. Let me have that change of environment. It would help me to heal. And I said, okay, fine. That it will join me with our baby in December. 
So I got to Scotland in September 2021. And before my husband came, I told God, I said, you know what? Another ranting, but this one wasn't like a conversation. <laughs> I said, you know what? You know, whether it's this year or next year, I'll still get pregnant again. You know that. Let's just get, let's just, let me just do this thing once and for all. Let me get pregnant now. So that before I graduate, <laughs> I would have had the baby. I was already calculating and planning everything, you know. So I was, we we're supposed to, um, to graduate in October. Yeah, and I said, okay, by the time I'm done with my, my project and all of that, which will be around May, June, that I should be able to have the baby by then. So it would be nice if it happens this December. So, or it can happen in January, you know, so that, you know, I can carry my baby and go and do my graduation. Then. Just letting him know exactly. <laughs> Just letting him know exactly what I wanted. And Ola. It just happened in December. By January, I confirmed I was pregnant. Wow. And so what, you know, my excuse for not going ahead to do this so-called master's 10 years earlier was what I was battling with in Scotland. So I had my toddler with me. I was pregnant and I was doing my master's. I was studying for my master's. But thankfully, I had my mother-in-law come around to help out at a period oh, wow. in time. And that was how, you know, I was able to, cope during that 2021 and 2022 and so yeah it's it's been god all the way i wouldn't ascribe any of that by my own strength or effort or knowledge or whatever it's just god all the way so that's been my fertility story all along all the way yeah What an amazing testimony. Yeah. I mean, both, <laughs> both, both cases. And it's just interesting to see that, like you said, what you delayed for so long that it did end up being the same anyway. You know, like all that yeah. time I got pregnant, so I didn't want to go away because I want to get pregnant and focus. But then you went away and still got pregnant and still had exactly. a job and still did the master's anyway. Exactly. So I think it was just, yeah. you know, almost God saying, hey, I can still make all this happen. You don't have to help me out. I exactly <laughs> that was just it that was just it or like you just hit the nail on the head that was just it because I sat down you know thinking about this interview I sat down like wait a minute what I wanted not to happen was what happened eventually <laughs> so it's just yeah. it took a decade for me to realize that you know so <laughs> so amazing so by the year, yeah, so by the time the year we're celebrating our 20th anniversary was uh, I, I was pregnant with the second baby and yeah and had the second baby in 2022 and yeah it wasn't easy mm. but god really helped me have right from family school my lecturers you know the way it just orchestrated everything my project was not what i wanted but that was what was assigned to me it was the least of the topics that was that was the list that I selected and that was what I got I wanted something that had to do with the lab to hone my skills but I got like a project that that um, had to do with survey data analysis statistics and all of that I wasn't happy initially by then I wasn't pregnant so I wasn't happy initially oh, God, man, I wanted lab work you know that kind of thing not knowing that everything was working together for my good. I was one of the first set of people that finished that project on time. I didn't have any hiccups. In fact, it's, it was just so sweet, you know, everything just went on well. I had the support, I had everything that I needed. God just made it work out well. And that was it. That is so encouraging and inspiring. And to think that, you know, think of all, like you said, your 10th year anniversary, you have a second baby coming. And yeah. if you had looked back, you know, three and your third year anniversary, your fourth year anniversary, where you, you were seeing that things were not happening the way you want, nothing was happening. Your sister got married, had the first baby, then later had the second, and you're thinking, what is going on? Like if anyone yeah. had told you that, you know, a few years down the line, you would, I've had the two or almost had the two that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah, might not have believed yeah. it. Yeah, I wouldn't have believed it. But thinking back now, you know, <laughs> when you're looking at it retrospectively, you're like, 
maybe if God had just showed me that, okay, this will happen at this time, at this time, maybe <laughs> yeah. I would have been, <laughs> you know, I would just have chewed, you know, and not bother myself with having to do high, you high and taking all of those drugs and what have you. But I guess that's just God's way of saying, you just have to trust me yeah. on this journey and which I know what's best for you. Because I was like, ah, if I know this was going to happen, I don't I'm going to do this master's on this one now. Why am I now using my old age to be <laughs> to be studying? <laughs> so mind me. But he still worked yeah, out yeah. perfectly, you know. Yeah, he did. He did yeah. beautifully. Yeah, the story just the story ended ended on a happy note. Yeah, so we thank God for that. Thank you for sharing. And it's interesting, your husband knew that you were the first time and that's so interesting did, did he ever tell you why he thought you were pregnant um the first time was because he he actually even told me when i joined him he told me that god told him that i was pregnant but he had you ah. did hearts with god that no <laughs> it can't happen now <laughs> you know, because, yeah because then um he just got a job after being in australia for like 10 months because it was writing um, sitting for the exams to work as a medical doctor in Australia right. so he just got a job um, working as a support worker and we had not rented an apartment to move into we were staying with someone so it didn't just look right to him it didn't just look right to you know have a pregnant woman in someone else's house <laughs> and yeah. know, we don't have any savings nothing you know so it was like no it can't happen let us settle down a bit and have some savings you know and then it can happen so when he told me um when he now told me that I was pregnant he said God had told him the second time Lucilla is pregnant he said, this time around, he didn't even bother arguing that he had learned his lesson. So he just kept quiet. He said, okay, well, let's hear you be done. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> and knowing how, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's amazing that you choose to share your story. So thank you so much for all you're doing to, yeah. to raise awareness and to encourage others by sharing your testimony. But, yeah. you know, you know, I'm sure you are aware how stigmatized infertility is and any struggles with fertility delays. Um, mm. So globally, it doesn't matter. Uh, but even yeah. more so from Nigeria, like you noted earlier as well, and you know, children being a very important part of many uh, cultures, even in Nigeria. So knowing that it's highly stigmatized, why have you chosen to share your story and why did you choose to raise awareness on your platform? Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. I decided to share my story because I realized that a lot of people are dying in silence <clears throat> because of the stigma. It's such a heavy weight on people. Um, not everybody has the opportunity to, not everybody going through this has the opportunity or the privilege of having supportive um, spouses, in-laws, friends you know surround them and it's interesting to know that um the mental health of um, people going through infertility has come to the forefront now research is going on because um it's been discovered i think in europe i can't remember the country exactly now that over 70 percent if i'm sure of the statistics of women in fact I'm, i think it's even close to about 80 or 90 percent of the women who go through infertility come down with anxiety or depression such that they have to see a psychologist to be able to deal with that so people and in the african climb <clears throat> where having children is um it's it's almost as if that's the hallmark of getting married you know, it's it's um it's devastating to note that um a lot of women are dying in silence. Even men, just because um in Africa men are not supposed to cry or to show their emotions as as they were brought up to be as they were told when they were growing up. But a lot of people are dying in silence because they cannot come out boldly to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. 
it's not every day. I mean, life can be tough. People not going through infertility sometimes even find it difficult to wake up in the morning to, you know, to face life. Not to come and talk of someone going through infertility. And like I said earlier on, those going through unexplained infertility, it's even worse because you cannot just pinpoint what exactly the problem is and also know what solution. And such people are um, subject to um, all sorts, you know, that scams and what have you out there because they are capitalizing on this desire or this desperate need to want to have their own children. So that's why I'm coming out, you know, and be vocal about this, that the society, the, the narrative has to change. People are going through a lot, except if they don't want kids, then, you know, they are fine. That's their decision. But for those who want kids, they are human beings, they have feelings, you know, so we need to be more empathic towards them. We need to be conscious of their well-being, of their mental health. You know, we need to befriend them genuinely. We don't take for, I was just thinking about it, like when I was still, that was a phase for me, when I was still in that phase, I would prefer that you take, for instance, you're in the social gathering. You know how the way parties can be in Nigeria, and one be one great auntie, you know, walks up to you <laughs> like, ah, so that money, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, saying that publicly. I'd rather you come close to me and speak into my ears and say that, Sola, I'm rooting for you, I'm praying for you. The next person doesn't need to hear what you are saying. You know, that public embarrassment, and a lot of women face that, you know, so that they feel like the ground should open up and they sh- and, and should swallow them at that part particular point in time a lot of women it's their mother-in-laws in fact for some other people it's even their own parents stigmatizing yeah. them you know like what's going on what did you use your young your youth to do how many abortions did you have you know all of those kind of things and so that's what i'm coming out for people to know that there is there is hope you are not alone in facing this and you've got to live your life girl you've got to live your life guy got to live your life you know like i like i didn't for 10 years i didn't get to achieve what i wanted to achieve i didn't i i made this priority and let other parts of my life to suffer people need to you know get themselves to be able to it's not easy it's not easy but people need to be able to go past that and move on with life there will always be those down times those moments you know you want to be alone in your bedroom and you want to cry it out you want to be alone and just shout you want to be angry you want to be upset and then you come out and smile like nothing is wrong there's something going on and if you have that support system you have that community where you can you know share all of this pain all of this anxiety all of this bitterness in you you know, it's even going to be good for your body because those are stressors that can cause hormonal imbalance as well. So that's why I'm coming out. Thank you so much. You highlighted so many important points and why, yeah. you know, it is so important to have the right support and the changes yeah. we need in the society as well. So thank you for speaking out. I'm always so happy when I see platforms like yours and people are sharing their stories and people are, you know, providing support to others that might still be going through uh, their fertility journeys. Because again, like yeah. you had that, it is so important to have people that understand, people that can hold you and support you during those yeah. um, very difficult yeah. days and times. So thank you yes. for all that you're doing. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And for anyone listening, thinking to themselves that they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you? Um, on Instagram, it's um, you can reach me on Instagram. Uh, my page handle is at Niger Fertility Educator. I'm also on LinkedIn um, as Busola Ulumide on LinkedIn. I think you can also search up Niger Fertility Educator on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, or you can send me an email on BSNFC Lagos at gmail.com 
I'll put the details as well in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Okay. So with your fertility mm-hmm. journey, how, how do you think that it changed you as a person? Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, it's made me more empathic towards um, people. Um, now when I'm talking to clients and, you know, and I tell them, I understand how you feel. It's because I actually do understand how they feel. Um, it's made me know that um, this infertility, it's, it can, it can, how do I put it? I don't want to say it can make or marry you, you know, because it's, for some people, it's a phase. And for some other people, it's a journey. Like for someone like me, it's 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 worth a phase. But for some other people, it's a journey. A journey in the sense that they might have to come to terms with the fact that they might never be able to have kids of their own. Or they would have to resort to adoption. So that's a journey, you know. <clears throat> so it made me to realize that and it's made me to also realize that um there are lots of um, options or opportunities in the field of um assisted productive technology um i'd always thought that i'll be working in the lab but you know with motherhood and what I'm going um, experience in the face of my life and being a mother, well, not like it's really hands anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and coaching, fertility coaching and educating is what I would like to venture into. So it actually opened my eyes to a whole world of aesthetic conception technology, the different parts that you have there. Um, it has made me more patient and it has made me more conscious of how I communicate with other people. Because um, in our field, you know, those of us providing the service, we can easily see our clients as just a number. It's very easy to fall into that trap and forget that this that, that this is a human face, there's a feeling behind it, you know. So it's connected me, it's made me more connected, you know, with them to help them out and be able to voice my concerns and be able to voice, you know, solutions, suggestions in a better way. These are amazing changes. It's made you a much better person. Yeah, it has. It has. It has. It has. Because um, I don't know how much, how you can quantify patients, but for you to be able to wait patiently for for a decade, you know, mm. well, the first baby came seven years after marriage, and it was able to wait and not um, result to suicidal ideology because it could be that extreme for some people, you know, especially those that have been battered with um, constant abuse. Um, abuse, you know, verbal. Emotional and even physical in some cases. And physical, yeah, in some cases, yeah. you know. You know, for some women, they just want to kill themselves. Like, what's the point of living? You know, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now sometimes when I think about it, it's still a bit emotional, you know. Oh, it never leaves you, it. right? Because yeah, it never leaves you. You know, you're happy when you see your kids when you know eventually come out of that phase you're happy when you see your kids and it looks like it never happened you know that you could have waited now you can now say oh i could have waited another 10 years for you to come <laughs> into my life and this point <laughs> you know even though and like they said human memory is short but when i see my clients when i go to the hospital and i see you know people waiting you know, for the injections or waiting for egg collection or waiting for yeah. transfers. I know I'm reminded that, you know, I was once in this position. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. So now you're fertility coach as well. Yeah. Okay. So people that are going to their fertility journeys can reach out to your, what types of people do you support? 
um i'm coming on my niche with people who are going through who have pcos and unexplained infertility okay because i think they need more support because you can't really say that at this point in time is when it will happen. Right. Or like for those undergoing explained infertility, whether it's a 50-50 chance if they go for high VF, there will be conception. Right. right. And most times people with unexplained, according to research, people with unexplained infertility, sometimes the treatment doesn't really work for them. So you need to be able to support them. I think they're the ones that need most of the support you know, to hold their hands through whatever procedure they're going through and um, to keep on encouraging them because Power World Fertility Coach does is to provide that emotional and psychological support and then yeah. also to be able to educate them on how, you know, ovulation, the timing and, and what have you, lifestyle changes and what have you. Right. Yeah, because for some people, it might just be, be the timing for some people. Yeah. So yeah. It can be so different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And with the fertility journey, the delays, how do you think it is to yourself and your husband, your relationship? Uh, it's made us stronger because um, it made our bond stronger, our love for each other stronger, because during those times were just two of us. So yeah. we learned how to communicate better. Um, at a point that I must confess that uh, within the, the first two, three years, um, sexual intimacy was beginning to look like a chore to me because at the point in time, I was like, the <laughs> we're doing this and <laughs> it's not happening. You know, so what's the point? You know, and please, 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 please. I'm not in the mood. Please, 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 please. I'm not interested. I, I don't just want to do this. But I realized, and according to what the Bible says, it's sexual intimacy is not just for procreation. It's just one of the benefits. Procreation is just one of the benefits of sexual intimacy. And so I had to pray to God to, you know, help me. It was a prayer point to a whole that God, please help me psychologically, help me physically. Let my husband appeal to me again. Help me to enjoy intimacy with my husband. Help me to be open to him. And that prayer did a whole lot, changed my outlook to all of that. And, um, <clears throat> and yes, we, we still do have a wonderful relationship. Um, my husband is my number one fan. Is always rooting for me and when i the, the day i knew the level of love he had for me was one of those days i was crying after seeing another period when we're back in nigeria and i was crying i was so sad and he told me he said Bustola, am i not worth more than 10 songs to you and i looked at him and i was like wow God, that means that, yeah, what you're trying to tell me is that even if I don't have children, yeah. that you still love me. That was what it meant to me. And, you know, it took my respect from, for him from here to there, you know. And, yeah, so it's made me, it's made our love deeper, our relationship with God deeper. And it's, obvious with the kids now because <clears throat> everything we tell the kids now it's just about God it's just God it's just God because he has brought us this far because I mean this is something this is a challenge that has broken some homes yes. yeah especially if like I said again it's unexplained infertility I think unexplained infertility is something not um really really spoken about you know like I said, it's just that uncertainty. It's just that what's what is what what is you don't the even know what to address. This. Yeah. You don't even know what to address. You don't know what you're even praying about. If everything structurally or physically is good, except maybe genetically, which you cannot really see, and it will take some advanced testings to do, and which can be quite expensive. Yeah. 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 
But if every other thing is okay as per basic testing done, then you're wondering why. So it's a different ball game you know, with unexplained fertility. Well done to your husband. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we definitely want to thank him and uh, pray for more men like him to be supportive yeah. of their spouses and partners during the whole yeah. journey because it makes such a huge difference. And I don't think yes, people actually is. realize, like you mentioned earlier, that you start to ask yourself, what's the point of sexual intimacy? Because again, in your mind and for, especially when you come from an Nigerian culture, I think people know that as soon as you get married, uh, the expected thing, quote unquote, is that you start having sex and you have babies. And of yeah. course, when it's not happening, you start to question, what's the point then, right? Because yes, it yeah. seems to be a waste of time. Of time, yeah. yeah. And yes, so that, yes. that's such an important prayer that you share. So thank you for sharing that because again, we don't realize how important it is to, to find ways to remain um, in tune with each other and to support each other yeah. through all that phase. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, I would just like to quickly chip in that um, being there for um, a couple experiencing infertility, whichever way, um, I think being there for each other, um, it's key. And though it might not be po popular opinion, but I think this the time that you have together without kids, it can be one of the best times of your life. Because I tell you, once the kids come here, it's a different ball game. It's it affects everything, everything, um, physically, financially, mentally, emotionally. It affects everything. So bond together, um, pray together, talk together, be best friends, be best friends. It doesn't matter who the who has the issue. You know, for for maybe the man has a low sperm count, or maybe the woman has um a blocked fallopian tube. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Be, be one. Let's just have this united front, so that whoever is coming, you know, have each other's back, so that whatever external influence is coming in, um, you'll be able to support each other and you'll be able to walk through the journey together. It's really really hard if you don't have a supportive spouse. You know, we exactly. in this journey. Yeah. Thank you mm -hmm. for highlighting that. Very, very important. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah, hopefully there is more awareness about that in the society as well, so people can be mindful of their statements to either partner, to even the couple, to know how how their words or their advice, how it can impact the the couple. And the yes. whole situation, it can make it better yeah. or make it worse. I think people need yes. to be aware of that. Yes, yes, and we shouldn't think that the men are not affected as well, yeah. just yeah. because they are not saying anything. Just be, just because they are not showing their emotions does not mean that they are not equally affected. Does not mean that they are not thinking about this. You know, especially like again, I would like to refer to unexplained infertility. We don't know the reason why this is happening, why we're not having the kids yet. So it's also bothering them. But because he's not talking about it that often, because you have not caught him crying. Yeah, exactly. You know, does not mean that he's not um, experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing. It's just that the way he's expressing it is different. And we need to also understand that, especially we wives, because sometimes you're wondering, you know, when flu shows up again and he's telling you he's concerned that it's okay it's fine you know you know we'll try again we'll keep doing this and you're like what are you saying you know i'm the one taking the injections i'm the one taking the drugs i'm the one you know you're just that's not what he needs at that time so he if he could find someone to console him there could be a third person to console him he wouldn't mind that as well so we wives too should be mindful of our husband's emotions, their feelings as well in this journey, especially when we're expressing our disappointments. You know. So well said. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. And knowing all you know now with all your wealth of knowledge and experience and lived experience as well, if you um, could go back in time to that teenager, that 18-year-old Busola getting into your you 
you know, having fun, having a good time, what would you tell her? Mm-hmm. I'll just tell her to relax. <laughs> Life is not hard. <laughs> yeah. Life is not hard. Um, especially for if if you're a child of God. <laughs> just mm-hmm. um trust, trust him that he has the best plan for you. He has already seen the head. You know, he's the one outside the box. We had one in the box. And what we are seeing is just the four corners of the box. We are not seeing beyond that. But he is outside and he can see everything. He sees the outcome of everything. So if we can just learn to trust that even though what we are aspiring for, it's not coming in right now. We are not seeing it now. God, who is the master of the universe has our lives planned out in if we just follow his map yeah. you know if we just trust him i don't know the reason why god doesn't show us everything we know in parts you know, yeah. we don't know everything but i guess it's just for us to learn to trust him you know, so I'll just tell my young, the younger version of myself, do what you can do and just leave the rest for God. You know, I've and right now, sincerely, my mom still says that I'm just one of the unfaced. I'm not faced with um, whatever happens. I'm just so calm because I tell myself, well, babe, <laughs> you cannot do anything about it. you've done, you've tried your best. So you can't do anything, you're just gonna rest. And yeah. <laughs> I'll just go and rest, you know, and I watch God do what he wants to do. So, yeah, I have, I, I used to be a warrior. <laughs> if there's a word like that, I used to worry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there is. Teenage years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I used to worry a lot, you know. I'm that kind of person that I like everything. If I, if I have a project, I want to focus, I want to do, I want to have a A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, you know, if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. this way, the combinations and permutations all and all of that, <laughs> I don't, yeah, all the backups, I don't want any surprise at all, you know, and if it's, if it's not going that way, it's difficult for me to, to adjust, right, so, but over time, you know, we got showing himself in different areas of my life, I'm just like, once I've done it to where I know how to do it and it's still not working, I just I just drop the mic, man. <laughs> and I go over to you. However, it turns out I'm happy with that. Yes. So yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And if there's any words of encouragement um, that you'd like to share with anyone listening right now that is still going through their own fertility journey, all phase. Yeah, I'll tell them um, not to give up. And I'll tell, I'm so passionate about extending fertility. Please pardon me. (laughs) Because it's something I went through. Um, There's this um, analogy I like to give a lot when I'm talking with my clients. And I tell them that um, let's look at, if you're familiar with the Bible, let's look at um John the Baptist. The parents of John the Baptist had him at an advanced age. They could have had him in their teenage years because the Israelites are trying to get married quite quite early. They could have had him earlier. They could have had him in their 30s. They could have had him in their 40s, but they had him late. And that was because prophecy had to be fulfilled. He was going to be the forerunner and Jesus was not going to come to a certain time, a certain dispensation, to a certain town, to a certain set of people. Jesus could have come during the time of Abraham, could have come when the Israelites were still in Egypt. He could have come at any point in time, but God chose for him to come at a particular time. And so, because Jesus was scheduled to come at a particular time, so also was John the Baptist, who was also scheduled to come at a particular time. If John the Baptist had come 100 years earlier, perhaps his coming or being on the surface of the heart wouldn't have held so much power or wouldn't have been so much relevant, right? So, 
I tell people with unexplained infertility that the baby that you're about to, or that you're going to have, God is keeping that baby to come at a particular time. My husband and I still look at our kids and we are like, God, there must be a reason why, you know, God allowed them to come at this time. God has prepared them. I don't, we are praying and trusting God to open our eyes so that we can know how to support them, how to bring them up and all of that. But there must be a reason why he delayed their coming to the world at this particular time. So for every person going through unexplained fertility, I want you to rest in the fact that there's a reason. After you have done everything, after all has been said and done, you've done all the tests and it's been confirmed is unexplained infertility. Rest in the fact that God knows what he is doing and that child is going to come at a particular time, at a particular dispensation. We've seen in the records in the Bible that there's nobody that is too old to have a baby. Abraham had a child at the age of 100. Sarah had a child at the age of 90. I am not saying that that's what's going to happen to you. I'm just trying to link dispensations together. You know, so just continue to trust God. Continue to pray and enjoy. Like I'll keep on saying, enjoy this time with your partner. Enjoy this time with your spouse. Go and live your life. Start that business that you always wanted to start. Go for that education that you always wanted to have. Do that thing that you've always wanted to do. Don't say, because I want to get pregnant. You will not do this. You will not do that. No, don't do that. Move on with your life and avoid negative energy as much as possible. Walk away from it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help the hormones in your body. It's not going to help your thinking. It's not going to help your mental health. Walk away from negative energy. Find happiness or joy in something that you enjoy doing. Start new hobbies. Do something, go out, go to the cinema, go and have a spa treatment, whatever. Make yourself happy and bond with your partner as much as possible. And most importantly, keep on praying. And I would say, what I used to tell, my, tell myself in that time of my life, my husband and I, there's a part in the Bible where it says that it was God who gave them the power to make worlds. It's God, your, the Lord your God who gives you power to make worlds. What I say is that it's the Lord my God who gives me the power to conceive. And I say that every day. I confess that every day till it happened. So, yeah, that's it. And for some people, it could be that God is trying to call your attention to something. And that, that was it in my own case. It could be that you have made something an idol and it's taking so much. You know our God is a jealous God. <laughs> so <laughs> if he's trying to catch your attention, you will just keep on failing that class. So you have to, you know, come down. What is that remember for you? What is that word? What is that assignment? Maybe there's an assignment God has for you that you're running away from. So you have to go back to the drawing board and go and sit down with your maker that what is going on so that you can pass this class. And for those who have explained infertility, please do not give up hope. Please do not give up hope. Please do not give up hope. The same things that I've said for those with unexplained infertility also applies to you. Keep praying. God is the one who gives children and he decides when he wants to give them, when he wants to release them. So while you are waiting, while you are trying on the treatment and all of that, also enjoy your life. You know, it's not easy. You know, I've, I've met someone who went through IVF. Like I think, I think she had like 40 cycles, you know, before she had a second, she had already had one child before and then she had 40 cycles before she had another baby. But in all of that, she had to just live her life while waiting, you know, she achieved a whole lot of things in her life. In Australia, yeah, she has one of the thriving dental practices in, wow. in in the regional area here in Australia. So go ahead and live your life. And I trust that the Lord God who gives babies will definitely give you your own. And it's not common in the African culture, but adoption 
is not something that we should run away from. Actually, my husband and I were considering it before the Lord gave us our first baby. We're seriously considering it. So adoption is not something you should run away from. I know someone personally who adopted, and after she adopted, she took him. So different strokes for different folks, but there are some people that you know who have to come to terms with the fact that they will not be able to carry their own babies. Adoption is also another way of having a child. So don't let us block our minds away from adopting. There are so many beautiful children out there looking for wonderful parents like yourself, you know, for you to adopt them. Thank you so much for sharing that. Very insightful. And I think it's important um, to, like you said, to continue to live our lives well, um, working towards and praying and hoping and exploring all the treatment options. And like you said, you know, yeah. to also be aware that of different paths to parenthood. So thank you so much for sharing that. It really yeah. has been amazing having you on here today uh, to share your story, to give insight to your journey and your experience and what you're currently doing now. Uh, to help many others. I think it's so important that we hear stories like yours. Just again, inspire to encourage, remind us that, like you said, God is God and is always yeah. um, present with us, even though we might not understand initially. So thank you so yeah. much for sharing your story. It's been wonderful yeah. having you on here. Um, just before so we wrap up, any, any final words or anything else that you'd like to share before um, we wrap up? the session um i'll just i'll just like to address <clears throat> quickly um i think ways in which um <clears throat> infertility can be if i can use the word destigmatized is um is for um first and foremost leadership has a whole lot to do um, i'm speaking for africa nigeria in particular because that's where i'm from um if we can have policies, you know, that supports um, reproductive health, most especially um, assisted reproductive technology. Sorry, I missed a bit of that. You said that <clears throat> you're speaking for Africa. Yeah, for Africa and Nigeria in particular, that if the governments could have policies that support reproductive health, particularly right. um, assisted reproductive technology, it will go a long way. Imagine if um, the government is involved because the statistics shows infertility is increasing. Statistics tells us that it's between one in four couples that are trying to conceive. In some claims, it's one in five, in some is one in six. If the government could support, because these are expensive procedures, if the government could support couples, you know, or support organizations so that they can offer low cost IVF to patients because a lot of people can't afford these procedures and they really want to have children of their own. So if there are policies that could make it affordable for people like take, for instance, in the UK, the NHS offers three cycles of IVF to couples, even though it's under a strict criteria, but at least, you know, the citizens have that option available to them. So if we can have that, and it would also be wonderful if the media can also help propagate what is what what um, all of this is about, you know, because um, if the media is involved, the stigmatization, I believe, would reduce greatly. So maybe documentaries, you know, to let people know that this is how people going through this feel <clears throat> so that the public the general public can be better sensitized to the feelings of people going through infertility exactly yeah <clears throat> those are things i'll just like to add so thank you thank you for highlighting yeah. that it really it, it, will, it will make a huge difference uh, yeah. so we hope that someone in the government someone in the media would listen to this episode or someone will share with them and they would also take in that feedback and advice and see how they can better support people, individuals and couples in the country Nigeria. Yeah, 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 hopefully. <laughs> yes. You know, one person at a time, you never know. They hear yeah. this and other changes start to happen. 
So the more we're yes. speaking about it and raising awareness, the more people, because sometimes people might not even think about it because they don't yeah. know anyone who, someone that's dealing with it. And until they hear, and then like, oh, well, that's true. You know, we can yeah. do that. And then the policies yeah. start to change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, if we have, and it's not just about even grants, you know, the government making the, the, um, the climb conducive for more fertility clinics to open up. Um, I know low-cost IVF is very possible. I know there's um, something called the Working Egg Project that offers low-cost um, IVF. But for them to be able to break into Africa has been difficult for decades. Wow. So, you know, if the government is able to encourage such so that they can collaborate with existing fertility clinics and offer people, especially in the rural areas, this service, then it will go a long way. And like I said, if the media can, you know, maybe do documentaries, interview people who are willing to speak, and then we have more advocates, then we begin to demystify this infertility, because I believe that it is a public health issue because infertility is increasing. It's, I liken it to malaria that has, that, that has a burden, an economic burden, you know, on, on the revenue of, of any of, of Africa. Someone who has malaria, take for instance, a mother has malaria, she can't go to work. A child will not be able to go to school. You know, it just affects the economy in a way. So also it's infertility, even though that effect might just be a fraction. For a woman that has to go for a cycle, you know, she has to go in for her appointments, take her injections. On the day of egg recovery, she might not just want to go to work. On the day of transfer, she doesn't want to go to work. All of those days had hope, right? Yeah. For missing work and being able to generate income and what have you. So if we have advocates, if we have people and uh, policies that can be enacted to support um families you know going through this it will go a whole lot it will definitely reduce the burden because i've i know of people who have had to resign because they are going through high bf or they're going through any procedure they've had to resign because they always miss work right so yeah. those are things that can help in our client so well so well said. thank you so much for sharing so those are really amazing amazing uh, tips and advice and inputs that we hope that we will to be implemented uh, to help and provide support to so many others. Thank uh, you. Because again, the, the fertility issues are, it is rising globally. So yeah. the more support we're able to provide, the better it will be for everybody. Yeah, 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 true, very true. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I know like many people that are listening, they have learned so much from you hearing your story and hearing all that you do to support. So we'll definitely be putting your details in the show notes so people can reach out to you, people seeking uh, fertility coaching or support or just someone to talk to. And uh, they're going yeah. to reach out to you and provide, you can help provide support to them. We're so yeah. thankful for, for you, for your, for your journey and for your spouse being so supportive through all those uh, waiting times and for your wonderful children that you've been blessed with. Thank you so much Thank for coming here to share your story. And we hope that you'll be able to join us again in the near future. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Allah. It was a pleasure.